We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. That's Chase and I'm Josh. And we're here to give you episode four in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series here today. Last week, we took you through episode three. We had that mini climax moment where Darth Vader and Obi-Wan went one-on-one for the first time in 10 years since the Battle of the Heroes on Mustafar. And we got to see the newfound strength of of the prime Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, and how... Obi-Wan just got his ass kicked up and down that fucking planet and got thrown into the fire. We're going to see the fallout for both Obi-Wan's side of stuff and Leia's side of stuff as well. Chase is going to be the one directing us to this episode here today, so I'm going to turn the floor to him to say a few words. We'll cheers up and then we'll get started. Yeah, man, uh, the force only gets darker, brother, and more twists and turns. Definitely diving into some interesting material today. And uh, then we got two episodes after that. But um, what a ride it's been with uh, one of our favorite heroes and one of our favorite villains, that's for sure. But Malice in the Chalice, man. Let's get it going. You got it, brother. Cheers. Get the glasses in the air. And uh, yeah, man, after we have to take this little sip, go ahead and and dive on in and and guide us through here in episode four. Let's do it. Man, I almost choked myself. <laughs> like like, like Darth, Darth Vader, ass. Darth Vader was hitting you with the force choke there. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, let's get it going, man. So Obi Wan, Episode Four. Uh, so Obi Wan wakes up on the ship with Tala, and he's still wounded from that fight with Vader. Remember we were talking about last week on how he got his ass handed to him. So Tala has put him in the Bakta tank to recover. And he is still reminiscing and he wakes up and he's kind of freaking out on where he's at and uh, worried about everything. And Tala tells him they're on uh, Jabim. Is that how I pronounce it? Jabim is where they were trying to head? Yes, Jabim. And um, at this time, so Reva um, is interrogating Leia. Because remember where we ended in on the last episode where... um, she just i don't know how this really happened but she pulled the lottery ticket and wound up figuring out where everyone was at due so she kidnapped leia um and at this point kind of jumping back over to jabim where obi-wan and tala is uh this guy roken who is kind of like tala's assistant he tells uh he's telling tala that obi-wan has to go because the entire empire is looking for him and obi-wan is asking for his help and and roken says something here this is very uh very deep dialogue he says i had a wife once i knew exactly what she was before we got married and the inquisitors found her anyways so i know exactly what the empire can do so if you want my help you got it (laughs) so that was pretty cool yeah, there was a couple things, too, I wanted to dive into just before. Because like, I thought what they did with the writing and the sequence of events on screen, it was super, super awesome. So we see, like, you know, when it opens up and you were talking about Obi-Wan injured on the ship, he's having this kind of feverish dream where we see scene shifts moving from Obi-Wan in the back to tank to Anakin in the back to tank and Obi-Wan flashing back to their duel. And, and we hear, like, the last conversation, stuff like Vader was saying, like, the years have made you weak. You should have killed me when you had the chance, that kind of stuff. And that's when he, Obi-Wan comes to and starts to get out of the tank, and Tala tells him that his burns haven't healed and his body needs time. Uh, 
But then you, you were talking about as well when Obi Wan asks where Leia is, and the scene the scene shifts, and you said Reva had taken Leia captive. She's a ten year old in an interrogation room. Like this is ridiculous. <laughs> like they're gonna torture a ten year old. Like this is this shows you what kind of uh, stuff the Empire is made out of. But I just thought it was fine, kind of funny too because Leia didn't miss a beat. She wasn't scared at all. I'm not saying she wasn't scared. She probably was, but she I was confident on the outside. Similar to Eminem, like, uh, like on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. Like, that's what <laughs> he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd goes so loud. He opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. Choking now. Everybody's forced choking now. The clock's run out. Time's up. Boba Blau. Fuck yeah, baby. Let's Dude, go. That, that's Let's my point. Go. Like, Leah, 10 years old, is not worried about what these people say. On the surface, she looks calm and i thought that was really dope because she even threatens the troopers with her father's name and what her station was there and then reva enters the room and tells leia that she's got no rights that the empire doesn't take kindly the jedi sympathizers but here's a big part here was reva tells leia that obi-wan is dead and that no one's coming for her so right now in in, in leia's mind obi-wan is dead and that is really really important and that's why i wanted to touch on that before we get to where we're introduced to roken and obi-wan telling roken that he needs his help to get leia back and then and here's another thing too I don't even think Roken's really like a dickhead saying he won't help. It's just he he is so concerned about the safety of the people that he's been looking after. He doesn't want to put them in danger. So it's not like he's just an asshole not helping. It's like he's like, dude, I have all these people I'm I, I'm responsible for. I can't put them all at risk just for you and one other person I just met today. You know, and then, you know, that's when Tala tells Roken, well, Leia knows everything. And if she gives us up, we're fucked because now they're going to have all of our locations. We're going to be screwed. So we're going to need some help. And that's what Chase was going into where... Obi-Wan says, hey, you don't know what the Empire can do. And Rogan's like, yes, I fucking do. And talks about what happened to his wife. And so I'll just take it on from there. I just want to get in those little moments that I thought were kind of important moving forward. So, Absolutely. So uh, Reva is continuing to interrogate Leia to find out where the path is, which is where, of course, all the Jedi are. Um, then Tala, after they decide to go after Leia, so they decide to go after to save her from being kidnapped and Tala arrives at Vader's tower and she has her, you know, her officer get up on because they decide that they're going to try to use her officer clearance to sneak Obi-Wan in to go get Leia out. Um, so she tries to use her clearance and the officer that's there isn't letting her through the gate because she scan he scans the clearance entry and he says, you know, you're supposed to be in another sector. Well, she kind of uses her power, you know, as her her overranking officer and basically is like, hey, no, I, I'm your ranking officer. Like, I'm pulling the strings here. So go ahead and let me through. <laughs> so they let her through. Um, and with her gaining access to that, what happens is they wind up opening this. I guess it was like a, it was like an opening in a moat sort of thing under the water there. And uh, Obi-Wan winds up swimming through, so he's able to get into this passageway that leads into the tower where Vader and everyone is. Um, Obi-Wan gains entry and knocks out a guard. You know, he's trying to get his strength back after getting that ass whooped. (laughs) Got that ass spanked, man. But, um, so, and then we cut back over to Reva a bit, and Reva tries to use the Force to read Leia's mind. And this is a big moment because it's not working. Uh, talk about Metachlorian count here on Leia's end. Um, 
And Leia goes, is this a staring contest? <laughs> like, it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. And, and Reva, like, yeah, go for it. No, no just I, 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 I love how you, how you put that all up there and how you got to where the Itala walked through and then you're know, cutting back and forth between Leia and Reva and, and the whole... Because remember, Reva used the force to get inside Haja Estre's mind and was able to find mm-hmm. stuff out. She was able to get in a lot of people's minds. So you're talking about Leia and her not being able to get in Leia's mind. That is actually a really dope thing that can go unnoticed if you're not really paying attention of why she can't get into Leia's mind. I thought that was pretty cool. But one other thing I want to mention as well, too. Just go back to Roken for a second about how he talks about his wife and what happened there and how the Empire took his wife away and killed him. I just found it very weird. He said he wasn't going to help Obi-Wan. And then, like, three sentences later, like you mentioned, he said, if you want my help, you got it. How did we get to that conclusion, man? Like, like we were we were just talking about how you weren't going to help them. And then he tells you, like, you don't know what the Empire is capable of. Then you go into your story, and you're like, all right, now I'm good to help because I told my story. I don't know. I thought that was really <laughs> fucking weird. But I thought what was really cool was that we pulled up the hologram of that, that planet, and it was a water moon, and it was called Nur, and it's in the Mustafar system, which we've talked about Mustafar a few mm-hmm. times, and I thought that was interesting and definitely important to notate, because everything kind of everything that they've done has a, a, a full meaning to it, like a full circle or, or foreshadow. It's, it's just, it, it draws back certain indication and clues to other pieces of Star Wars works, and I thought that's great. And then, uh, you know, the, 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 like, Tala... She's before she even goes through that security thing and has that interaction with the security guard that you were talking about. She doesn't even know if her cover's still intact. She tells Obi Wan like we're gonna figure it out. So she's taking a huge risk just even showing up to this place because number one, it's not in her jurisdiction, and number two, like she is aiding and abetting Jedi and she doesn't know if her cover's blown or not. So I, I found that really really interesting, and th- also I thought this part and I think you mentioned it as well when. Uh, Tala was talking to Obi-Wan about he needs to heal not just his body but his mind too. I think that helps him really understand that no matter what happened, we have a mission here to accomplish. Like Leia is a 10-year-old. We need to get her back. So I think this is almost a turning point and helps him see things in a different light to, to start becoming a little bit more of who he was and how we knew him because we do see the little progressions, and we're going to talk about it when we get to the action parts here, of how there's been micro-improvements in Obi-Wan's, I would say, fighting ability, maybe, and his powers and stuff. There's been improvements each episode, which has been great, and I just I love how they're incrementally ramping him up, because it's going to come to a big head here by the end of the series, right? So, I do like what Obi-Wan said to Talos, that some things can't be forgotten. And Talos says, well, you care about Leia? Then you're going to have to try. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought that this is pretty cool, too, is Leia's kind of smart. Not only is she just getting interrogated, but she's asking about questions. Cause remember, Reva, Reva told her that Obi-Wan died. So Leia's like, how did Obi-Wan die? And Reva said that he burned to death Amapuzo. And so I think that is almost a full circle, too, because Obi-Wan assumed that Anakin burned to death in Mustafar. And now... He, so he goes, he's going through his life thinking Anakin's dead. Now Leia's got this part where, oh, she thinks Obi-Wan's burned to death on a planet, and he's actually still alive. So just these little tiny, like, like, uh, it's just cool. I really like how they're doing this, man. I really think it's great. But, um, yeah, I also thought that this was pretty cool, too, where she kind of knows Reva's a liar, right? She said, if, if you tell me where the path is, you can go home to your family. And she's just not budging. She's like, I don't know anything about a path. And so... Anyways, I'll let you go ahead and take it from there. I just wanted to mention those few things. I thought it was pretty important. No, absolutely. That was excellent. And uh, right there, Reva says, 
You're strong. The braver you seem, the more afraid you are. I learned that at a very young age as well, which is a big moment. So remember that moment. That's going to come up much later on. But she takes Leia's droid and says, I had a droid when I was younger, too. It was taken from me like everything else. And uh, then we cut back to Tala and uh, Tala gets approached for identification and the droids start to scan the area where she's at um, because, you know, this other officer is like, you're in, what are you doing here? Tala knocks out that guard that approaches her, which is badass. And then we cut back to Reba and she's still trying to convince Leia that Obi-Wan is gone and no one is coming for her. And this is great what she says. Leia says, I'll tell you where they are but I just don't want anyone to get hurt. I'll have to tell my father first, but that's okay, right? You said we're all on the same side. That was great. Awesome. And uh, then Reva, of course, is calling all the stormtroopers there, and she says, nice try, princess. I hope you like pain. And Leia, getting to the point of where she was saying, basically in a roundabout way earlier, I'll never tell you where they are. And then Reva says, then it's time to make those tears real. <laughs> you wanted to talk about that? Not that part. There's another part I want to talk about that I had a problem with. So mm-hmm. I don't know if we really mentioned much about Obi-Wan getting inside of the base here. But if you guys take a look at this and go back and watch it and tell me if I'm crazy. When he is submerged underwater and comes up through that, that area and takes out that one stormtrooper that's in guard, he's fully dry. How the fuck is his clothes fully yeah, dry? Know about that. Did, yeah, that did was anyone weird. else see that he didn't just use the force to dry off his clothes? Like, like he was fully, fully dry. Go back and take a look at it. His his cloak and stuff was not sopping wet. He wasn't dripping on the ground. He was fully submerged underwater, swimming underneath to the entry port that Tala opened for him. And apparently, he's just dry as a fucking I don't know, man. It just <laughs> yeah, it was that ridiculous. Was, that was a good point because I thought about that too. I just kind of blew it off. <laughs> And like, <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I don't know. Yeah, that Very was strange. Cool. I thought it was also cool too how Tala's, you know, in there and she's she's t- trying to guide Kenobi through the different mazes, not the mazes, but the different uh, ports and openings of the of the fortress, trying to get to Leia and stuff. And like you had mentioned, she has to, she is taking such a big risk by even being there. She almost got caught at security, like you mentioned. Then she's got this other guy who has officer clearance, just like her, saying, "Hey, let's let me get that identification. Let's let's, let's get you here." So. Yeah, dude, it's just crazy. Tala, Tala's a badass. You know, Laria Sand, that's a girl from Game of Thrones. So I, I really, uh, I, I was impressed with what they did here on that end. But I did think this was cool, too, about the Lola the droid tried to attack Reva, but she stops it with the Force. And then she starts messing with the droid. And that's going to be a big yeah. thing going forward. I definitely wanted to draw attention to that. But I'll let you go ahead and um, go back to where, like, Tala... No, I thought this was important, too. Tala sees something on the internal map of the fortress that she doesn't recognize and wonders what they're keeping down there. And that's going to kind of play into to something pretty big. But, uh, yeah, I'll let you go ahead and continue on from there. Yeah, no. So, stormtroopers bind Leia to that chair where, of course, Reva is going to try to interrogate her through torture. Real nice. Really nice. <laughs> class act classy lady anyways so obi-wan um he enters that uh, secure center is what they call it which is like the next room where he's walking in that tunnel where it's kind of like underwater you know you look through the glass windows it kind of almost looks like an aquarium but he enters there and he looks around and he starts seeing these people encased in amber 
and he says, I think I just found what they are hiding here. This place isn't a fortress. It's a tomb. In the first one he sees, I wanted to bring this up. This is a cool little hint they threw here because I actually looked this up. Uh, Obi-Wan sees the first like alien guy in the chamber. Who this is, is uh, Terra Sinube, who is a Jedi master who is actually in the Clone Wars. So I thought it was pretty cool. And I've never really seen the Clone Wars. Did you know that? So, no, I didn't know that, but who did he look like? Did you, did you recognize who he kind of looked like? Even though it was, I don't know if they're the same species or not, but to me, he looked a lot like Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks, yeah, he did kind of. I was thinking, uh, who was the guy in episode one? Zabora. Zabora. He kind of looked <laughs> a little like him, too. <laughs> I just thought that was pretty cool. But, like, that's it, kind of crazy to think about this. And like you said, you'll, you'll probably go through all the ones that he sees and stuff, but remember earlier in the previous episodes, she was saying, Tala was telling them that they even take children, right? And so, and so it's not just Jedi, Jedis that they're having there. They, anyone that's Force-sensitive, this is like the tomb for all of them in these weird, I don't know, preservative liquid type shit that they're keeping them in. So I'll let you kind of go yeah. through it. But I just thought it was, it, they fucking, they, 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 the Empire doesn't fuck around. Like for a, a somewhat of a sci-fi show that is available for kids to watch on a, like a Disney streaming service, it's just kind of dark, man. Yeah. I'll let you go into that because I think I know the one you're talking about because I actually didn't write all those down. So I'll let you go into the ones in the well, tombs. Yeah, I, did, I didn't write them all down either. I just he was just looking around and there's but the biggest thing I took away from it is there's different species. There's women yeah. and there's children. So they yeah, just did not they did not really discriminate one way or another. If you had four sense, you were four sensitive. You were on you were on their list. So I just the Empire. This really shows how ruthless they are. That's it. Yeah. Snapping necks, man. We know Vader was doing that. <laughs> we saw that last episode. Um, but Obi-Wan hears Leia scream for help and, and radios Tala that he needs a distra distraction. Uh, Tala, then to distract Reva, uh, goes in and takes Reva by surprise and, and, and calls Reva so she can buy Obi-Wan time. Obi-Wan breaks in the room where Leia is being held and then cuts down the stormtroopers there with a lightsaber that were beginning to start torturing her. And Reva begins to tell Tala in the meeting room where she meets her, uh, calls her out on her bluff because Tala is ba it basically is saying, she was saying like she found the pathway, right? Kind of like describing like where the Jedi were. Can you go into that real quick? So you're talking about when she almost blows her own cover to... Right, like, yeah. She was like trying to cover it up so, by... Yeah, I got you. But one other, there's also this other part too I wanted to talk about because this is when Obi-Wan tells her that they need time. Is mm -hmm. did, did we... Obi-Wan seems to hear Leia's voice, right? But the way that the audio made it sound on screen, it made it sound like it was coming from inside Obi-Wan's head. So... Did Leia use the Force for the first time? That's a that's a really good question. If she called out using the Force, because you know she's Force sensitive, and you know who her be, father was, yeah. and so I really think that she might use the Force for the first time. That's gonna kind of be part of my debate like later on, you know. But I, I think that's really important because that's when Obi Wan realizes shit, she's in trouble, and she tells Tali a distraction. But yeah, Reva, she's they, they she gets disengaged from the machine because they said, hey, this can't wait, and she goes out to speak to Tala, and she's the one that made the urgent request to speak with Reva, and so Tala tells her that she was stationed on Mapuzo when the hunt began, 
and she tells Riva that the path is on Florum and that the network runs out of the Surtar sector. And then Tala continues on and tells Riva that they use a salvage business to launder goods, render new identities, and fly the Jedi out. And so she tells Riva that they need to direct all resources there immediately and take the network out at its root. And at that point, Riva's skeptical and thinks that Tala might be lying. And then that's kind of when the scene shifts to back to the torture room. I call it the torture room. I don't know what the fuck it's called. And the lights like all of a sudden cut off and we see a blue lightsaber hack down the trooper on the left and the hacks down the trooper on the right. And Obi-Wan frees uh, Leia from the machine. And she's so happy that he's alive because again, remember, they told her that he was dead. And she tells him that she didn't tell the Inquisitor anything. And Obi-Wan's like, I know. So I thought that was pretty cool too. But then we kind of go back to Tala and Reva. And Reva thinks that Tala might be a mole on the inside secretly working with the path because an old man and a little girl escaped an Imperial checkpoint on Tala's planet. So Tala, Reva's starting to kind of put these pieces together. So she's kind of, she's not dumb. You know, this is the exact uh, dialogue between Reva and Tala. Reva says, admit you're a spy. And Tala says, of course I am. I spent two years undercover trying to find out where they were hidden. When Kenobi came, they panicked and I got inside. And Reva responds, you expect me to believe this? Tala says, look, I couldn't tell anybody. If they found out, I would have been killed. I promise you, he's on Florum. And that's when the scene comes back to Obi-Wan and Leia trying to get out of the fortress. And the seeker droid finds them and makes the alarm type sound. And the scene moves back to Reva and Tala. And Reva goes, I do like a good liar. I don't know if you're lying to me or for me, but we'll see. Take her to the interrogation. If, she, if the debriefing confirms it, then all of a sudden the alarms go off. And she realizes that Kenobi's there. And I'll let you go and, and kind of take it from that point. No, it's perfect. Uh, so Obi-Wan, like, cuts his way and Leia out as they're trying to get out of their room. You know, I even counted. He took down six stormtroopers one by one. You know, he's blocking the lasers they were shooting at him. At one point, he blocks a laser close and that, like, closes a door that holds the stormtroopers off and the rest of them from coming to get him. And he lets Leia and um, Tala go through this like door while he's trying to hold him off. And Tala takes Leia and Tala tells uh, Obi-Wan to run because they start to see that the stormtroopers are breaking in and the glass on the walls is cracking from where the water is gonna come through. So he's using the force to try to hold the glass together as the door in front of him he still has a chance to get through it but the stormtroopers are starting to come through well what happens is the fourth brother starts blaming reva for the intrusion and commands uh that the, fi- the fifth brother the fifth brother. the fifth brother yeah the guy that plays han right yeah. <laughs> and fast and the furious uh, and then blames her for the situation and commands that basically everything gets shut down so no one leaves um, and then Tala, Obi-Wan, and Leia are stopped on this edge of the tower as he lets, what happens is he lets the glass break through. So the water rushes through and he jumps, dashes through the door where Leia and Tala are and it closes and it drowns all the stormtroopers in the hallway, which was badass. It was awesome. Uh, so they're running through, but... They're stopped on the edge of the tower as Reva and stormtroopers are have basically stopped them on the edge, and there's almost no way to escape because they have the lightsabers and coming to get them. But um, at this point, we have all these ships. What do you call those ships? They were in Empire Strikes Back. I'm not sure what they were called. The ships. These ships come down, like- and then. 
I, so for these ones, I didn't think they were either X-wings or Tie fighters. I thought they were just regular um, transport ships, but they might have been. They might have been one of the specialty um, thing. I know they had lasers they were shooting at them, but I don't necessarily yeah. know the name of what what these exact ships were. It was the one. Uh, it's the type of ship where Luke took down the AT and T Walker in Empire Strikes Back. Is what they were. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm exactly not sure. I'm not sure the the name of it either. I have to look that up. But anyways, saves their ass. <laughs> so like comes down, starts firing first, on everyone. First off, can we get Tala her her flowers here for just a second? We gotta Whatever, give her her Tala, credit. You basically you could have fucked this, everybody. This was, <laughs> I thought this was really cool when they. Like Tala, Obi Wan, and Leia are, are walking out, and they almost get to the very end, and that's when Reva shouts from behind them, "Traitor!" And they turn around, and Reva says, "A child and an old man. Was it worth it? Betraying everything you are." And Tala says, "This was never who I was." And Reva responds, "Then you die for nothing." So I thought that was pretty sick. And then <laughs> this, awesome. and this, this visual too, just to give everyone a visual. The troopers are lined up, ready to light them up, firing squad style. I'm talking, they, they, all, they all have like the guns pointed directly at these three individuals. Keep in mind, one's a 10-year-old, one is just a regular captain with a blaster, and yeah, we've got Obi-Wan the Jedi, but it's probably, I don't know, 30 against 3? Like, you know, technically really 30 against 2, because Leia's not fighting no one. And like I said, they are just ready to light them up, firing squad style. And then that, that, at that point, out of the sky, the pilots from the path show up and start lighting the bad guys up. And I'll let you kind of take it from there. Yeah, it's badass. I looked that ship up, too. I would have never guessed it. It's called a T-47 Airspeeder. <laughs> like, okay. out of all ships, I never would have guessed that. Like, X-Wing or something, probably. No, I never would have guessed that one. But they swoop down. They're firing at everyone. It reminded me of when Danny showed up in the spoils of war with the dragon. <laughs> Just, like, took him out, man. It was badass. Um, but, of course, you know, they start to escape. And Obi-Wan and Leia and Tala get on the ship. But at the same time as they're escaping, uh, one of the pilots gets shot down. And, unfortunately, it's the end for him. End for Wade, which we learn his name later on. But... Vader's pissed. <laughs> He's pissed, man. He starts force choking Reva and says, you were, you were warned what defeat would bring you. I will not tolerate your weakness no longer. And then Reva says, I let them go. And Vader, Vader lets go for a minute. And she says, I put a tracker on their ship. Soon the location of the network to learn the location of the network and then Kenobi will be ours. Vader looks at her and says, it seems I have underestimated you. And the fourth brother says, but my Lord, the base is almost destroyed. Fifth brother, whatever brother it is. We got so many damn brothers going on here. Fifth brother says, my Lord, the base was almost destroyed. And Reva reminds him and says, Kenobi is all that matters. And Vader says, there can be no mistakes. You're certain the tracker is with him. And Reva says, yes, my lord. Where he goes, it will follow. That's going to leave a, lead a lot in the next episode. But uh, then Tala, Leia, Obi-Wan, and the fighter pilot get back. And that's when Roku notices Wade has been shot down. And then Leia puts her hand on Obi-Wan uh, and her droid lights up. And that ends the episode there. What are your takeaways, man? What are your thoughts you had on that one? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a couple things first before I go into my, my thoughts or takeaways. I thought this was really cool, talking about when Wade 
he without Wade, they don't get off that planet. She's she's blocking yeah. their way. They they have no shot at it. And Wade just comes down and just fires all his lasers straight at Reva. So Reva's got to use all of her her focus and attention on blocking the damn lasers with her lightsaber, which allows Sully to get off with Leia, Tala, and Obi Wan. So then, and this is another part too. We got to see a little bit more of Reva's strength with the Force. She she really Force used that. It was almost like an explosive because once it hit Wade's ship, it just blew up. So. You know, it, it, it was like a sacrifice fly in baseball. You know, he gave up his own his own safety to make sure the others got to the the safety themselves. And so, it was a really sad moment. But I thought that was really really cool. That that's how you know because they didn't want to take, partake in this. And this is just talk talk about the casualties of war in a way because they they were very much like oh, we're not going to help. And then hey, this is the potential follow if we don't help. And so then they decided to help. And even Tala says after they get back to the ship and he asked, Roken asks about Wade and Sully shakes her head. Tala even says, guess your shoulders now after all. And that's, and then like you said, then we kind of have everyone. Finally, they're together. They've escaped the clutches of the Empire for now. Leia grabs Obi Wan's hand and the camera pans to Leia's droid. And then the red dot appears on, on Lola, the droid. So we know that the tracker is in fact... You know, like we had mentioned, the big full circle when Reva stopped the droid with the Force and was messing with it while she was talking to Leia and trying to get information out of Leia. We see what she was doing with that there. So, smart move, great move by Reva. I like that. But in terms of takeaways of the whole episode, um, it was obviously a bit slower than last week's, but it's gonna it's gonna have to be. You're not just gonna go climax, 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 end of ep- end of series, right? So this, what I did enjoy is that we now have our two separate factions separated from each other once again. None of the good guys are prisoners of the bad guys. We've got an, a chance here for a regroupment of sorts. And it's going to come into next week's episode a little bit on what ends up happening. And like that tracker plays a huge role. And it really stinks because Lola the droid has kind of been just fucked up all, all series long. Even from episode one where it tried to free Leia when she got originally kidnapped by Vec and tried to, like, cut her free. It's like, that guy grabbed the droid, smashed it on the ground, and Obi-Wan fixes it on Dayu. And then it tries to attack Reva when, she, when uh, Leia's in prison there, too. And then Reva just... Like, that, that damn droid can't catch a break, bro. Like, I thought I just thought that really, really funny. Um, but overall, dude, it was, it was a good episode. In terms of the writing, in terms of me finding faults or things I didn't like about it, there wasn't there wasn't too much, uh, I I there I mean I could get real nitpicky and just come up with certain things, but there's nothing like last week a couple things that really pissed me off really pissed me off like Vader just not grabbing Kenobi's body from a little wall of fire three three feet away that annoyed me Reva just finding out where that secret tunnel was on the lottery truck ticket that Chase was talking about that annoyed me there is nothing in here that I'm like dude that makes zero sense. You know what I mean? That There's nothing so yeah. far. So in terms of, of, of writing and then sequence of events, I think it was really strong. I also think that I, what I find interesting is, why, I don't have an answer to this, but why the Inquisitor's base on the planet Noor, that why they are so far removed from Vader? Why, when they took Leia and kidnapped her, if they knew Kenobi was drawn out by Leia's presence, why didn't Vader just show up to that fucking... The, the base himself they wouldn't have been able to get laid out they would have drawn Kenobi there and Vader been waiting for him on the base at Noor 
You know, that's that's one thing that does kind of annoy me. You guys know what draws Kenobi out. It's clearly this girl. Vader clearly knows that because that's what got them in face-to-face last week. So well, I just don't understand why he wouldn't show up to that base and just be there while they wait for Obi-Wan to try to come and rescue Leia. Because they know he's not going to leave her. That was a whole mission in the first place when Reva decided to kidnap Leia from Alderaan. That, oh, we know Kenobi's going to come after that because her dad fought with Obi-Wan in the attack of the clones you know and like the clone wars so i don't know dude it was just that part the the whole thought process of the bad guys seems to bother me a little bit to me they make it seem that kenobi is the only priority and nothing else matters by getting kenobi but they go in so many different convoluted ways to try and get him versus something that would be very simple to get him there and, and have him trapped so to speak so that's the only thing i really kind of have an issue with outside of that overall i thought the episode was good there wasn't a ton of action. We did get to see, I did say though, we got to see incrementally how much better Obi-Wan has gotten over the past couple episodes because he was able to take that lightsaber out and bat back those uh, lasers that were being shot at him and take out those stormtroopers. He was able to use the force and stop the rushing water from coming in for a good amount of time. And that took a lot of ability there. So we're seeing him slowly come back into the Obi-Wan form that we, that we knew and loved from the prequels. He's still not there yet. There's still a lot of work to do, but we've seen him grow little by little by little as the episodes have gone on. And, and at this point, you, we start to see, and I think the words that Tala spoke to him, like, if you, if you care about Leia, you're going to have to try and not so much forget the past, but make peace with it at the very least because we, we need you here. We need you at your top form if we have any chance at this whatsoever. And so it, it's, I thought that was cool to start slowly bringing him along it's not just one flip of the switch and all of a sudden he's the badass again he's slowly coming into who he was and i I do like that so if you're going to ask me to give it a grade on a scale of one to ten i'll give this episode let's say 8.2 give it 8.2 out of 10 there wasn't so much interesting things i do think that leia might have used the force for the first time and i think that's badass uh but in terms of the writing bringing everything together to me it was not so much a filler episode but it was one that it was unremarkable if i think back on this series let's say a couple months from now i'm not going to remember this episode specifically as some one of them that's jumped out to me if that if that makes sense so i'll give it an 8.2 out of 10 those are my overall takeaways tell me a little bit about the takeaways that you have yeah same you know what it kind of made me think of like when we covered this season way back like that episode of the mandalorian where they were on that like ice planet and the spiders kind of got all over them like it was like a filler episode kind of like that but you still got to get from one journey to the next and you got to kind of keep you know the action going in some way but of course it's got to be a little bit slower um there was the catches for me there was nothing that was really like i mean i get wade died yeah that was kind of kind of sad i didn't really have too much of connection I was say, like who the fuck was wade though we met him that episode we met him yeah that like who cares that <laughs> like i don't want to say like who cares but really though like like i mean there really wasn't anything that was of significance importance besides just getting leia back like that was just the whole really idea so you kind of have this cat and mouse back and forth thing so it kind of just felt like that bridge in the road you just have to cross to get to the next step is really all it was 
I'll give it the same, but you know, I'll, I'll give it an 8.2, I guess. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it, but am I going to forget this? Am I going to care that he drowned a bunch of people with water? Not really. <laughs> am I going to remember this? I'll, you know, I'll remember it happened, but am I going to remember details about this episode? Most likely not. But yeah, it, it was good. It was what it was, man. But I would definitely say next week and the week after are definitely going to be Hellraisers. This is kind of like just to get to the next step sort of thing. Yeah, I agree with you. And another, another thing, too, that I wanted to talk about, and I know this really dives in to more next week and, and the whole setup here is that this this was in between what I would call a setup episode and like something that has its own it, it pops on its own because there are a very very few amount of things I'll remember from this episode I'll remember Obi-Wan started to come back to form a little bit and I'll remember that that Leia called out and I think that she used a force. So it was like the two things that a 10-year-old used a force for the first time and then we're starting to see Obi-Wan little by little regain his regain his ability. And that that's actually evident in a couple of different ways. Not just the stormtroopers that were coming from him at that point in time and that he drowned, but if you also think he swam all the way underneath this water with this breathing apparatus, right? And he gets in that port, comes up, takes a clone trooper out pretty quickly. And I know we always kind of give these stormtroopers a hard time because it seems like they're pretty useless and they're very expendable. But if we think back to episode two, remember those just random people on that planet that he was trying to get past? He gave him a hard time. Like just two people that had no Empire Imperial training at all. They, they, they say, hey, you're not supposed to be back here. And this is like when he was looking for Leia on that ship. And he barely got past those two regular guys. So already, when you say what you want, but these stormtroopers, they are at least... Uh, elite above regular citizens they have training you know obviously they're not going to be at the level of inquisitors or sith lords or clearly not vader but my point being is that they are a trained level character that should give the average person a hard time to deal with and we see where obi-wan went from not being able to deal with two other regular dudes to being able to take out clone troopers fairly easy he met, like that clone trooper went in, or that stormtrooper came in, and we want took him out, and then as he left that room, you saw him lying face down in like the water, the the stormtrooper flying face down in the water. And on top of that, he takes out a bunch of other ones along the way when they do start realizing he's there and they're shooting at him, and he's using his lightsaber and batting those things back. And you know, I thought it was even cool when he batted it into the door and made the door seal close, and then that the water pushed through, and he used that damn force to hold it. There was a time he was struggling to use a force at all. Like the first big use of the force he had in this series is when Leia fell from the building and he had to dig down deep and get her to stop from falling. But dude, this is all this water pressure coming in. That is even, that's way harder. Leia is what, maybe a 50 pound girl? You can stop that. Whatever the water is, this the water pressure going through this window, holding it as much as could, then directing it towards it. That is badass. So those there's going to be small things that I'll remember here and there about this episode. But it's not one that's going to stand out as like, if someone said, hey, watch one episode of the series and you'll absolutely love it, this isn't the one I'm picking. Right? You know what I mean? That That's that's my you know point that I'm trying to make. It It's not a filler episode. It's, it's a little bit more than a setup episode, but it's not quite... A memorable one to where I would be trying to get people to start this series by watching that specific one, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, what debates did you have? I have two debates, and I know that 
I kind of gave one up earlier, but we're still going to talk about it a little <laughs> bit. Because if we really go back, and I want everyone to, to go back who's listening here and take a look at, at this part. When Obi-Wan is in that secure sector, and he's seeing all of the, the, the tomb of all the dead, force-sensitive individuals, and he's, remember, his, his primary goal there, he's looking for Leia where she is. She has been screaming this entire time since they grabbed her and put her to the machine. And he hasn't been able to hear her. No one's been able to hear her because Reva said at least two or three times, no one's coming for you, right? So she's still screaming and screaming and no one can hear her. Then out of nowhere, Obi-Wan's able to hear it in his head and he tells Talamelia, I need a distraction. So... I think she called out to the force from the way the audio sounded when she called out to what made sense logically to me when she's been screaming and no one's been able to hear her. It seemed that she finally was able to use that inner power that she doesn't know she had. I don't even think that she knows that she did it. I'm curious. Does Obi-Wan know that she used the force to call out? That's my guy. Cause you know, that, that's, that's a whole deal with him and Luke with him staying on Dagobah and waiting for Luke to show any sort of Jedi potential. And so he could train Luke. Leia might have shown Jedi potential before Luke did, right there in that moment. So I don't know. Like, did you do you agree with that? What are your thoughts on that? And let's let's debate a little bit about did she use a force and the significance of that going forward. Excellent question. Um, that's a tough question because I feel like if she used the force, <laughs> he should have been a little bit more like surprised. Like, it was just kind of like, oh, okay, like, she's in there, like, I need a distraction. Either that was based on reaction of I really need to get her out of here because we don't have much time, or you'd think he would be a little bit shocked. Otherwise, they pulled a riding in the Jon Snow, like, you know, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones, sorry, it's been out for years. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry, and you shouldn't be on this episode anyways because that was a lot of episodes before this podcast episode. So you can go back and look at our episodes from season one. But when John finds out he's king, he was just like, oh, okay. That's kind of like my point here is like I feel like if Leia was able to use the force that early, like it would have been like almost like a shocking moment. Like you go back to episode two, where Obi-Wan used the force to stop her. It was almost like a shocking moment for Leia. Like, okay, this guy is truly who he is. My only thing on that, too, is keep in mind, Obi-Wan was under distress at this point, too. He's in this room. He's trying to keep his his cover intact. Like, like no one knows he's in there yet. He's like, as of right now, they haven't tripped the alarm. So he's trying to stay secret. He's already in shock by seeing all these four sensitive individuals dead and entombed in this little area. And... Maybe he didn't really realize that's what she did. Like, he might not even have known. That's my thing. I don't think like, it might have been like, oh, she just used a force. Because like, if that was the case and he did know that she did it and she, he just acted weird and, and blew it off, then yeah, I would agree. Like, okay, that doesn't make much sense. But I think maybe if you think about the circumstances and the, and the scenario all of them are in, and keep in mind, Obi-Wan's clearly not the Obi-Wan that I remember at this point from the Revenge of the Sith. He's not as in tune with, like, the force and, and, and all these things that... Maybe it happened and he didn't even realize it happened. Maybe he thought he heard it from somewhere like like outwardly, but you know, I think that's definitely a possibility. Yeah, because that's an excellent question because I feel like if she was just screaming out, Talia probably Tala probably would have heard it too because she was keep in mind she was trying to distract Riva. So she was in those rooms, so it would have like echoed about, I would have thought. 
So that brings up a really good question. Now that we're thinking that, since Tala couldn't hear it, unless they just happened to be on that same hallway where Tala couldn't hear anything, I would think maybe that is a sign of using the Force, which we know she can based on those god-awful three films. Not the originals, the other three. (laughs) Those god-awful ones where she magically moves herself from the middle of space (laughs) but yes that's my point is um we uh i would say i'm inclined to agree with you i didn't think i would at first because i was thinking maybe it would just be an echo through the hallway there but now bringing in i basically solved my own side of things bringing in tala into the picture you would have thought she would have heard something because Obi-Wan had to actually call to her for a distraction where she would have probably radioed Obi-Wan been like, hey, hurry, like you don't have much time. And she didn't do that. So it could have been, man. I'm I'm inclined to side with you. I'm still sort of 50-50 on the fence with it, but I'm leaning more towards the force. So I'm going to agree with you on this one, Jay Deli. I think that's a that's a good uh, that's a good point you pointed out there. And then the second part of that, let's say that we're going to both agree that the force was used, how that could change things going forward. Because I think your point that Obi-Wan didn't make a big enough deal about it is important because I'm under the impression he might not have noticed that that is what she did. And we're going to go back at the end of this episode and we're going to go put that on Disney Plus and we'll play that part. And we're going to take a look and listen at the difference in audio between when she's screaming before he hears it to what it sounds like when she when she says it. Because I'm telling you, in my head, I heard the audio as if it was inside of his head that he heard it. So, I, But if he doesn't know, that's crazy because not only is he supposed to be in tune with the Force himself, it would show that he's still far removed from the guy he was before. And then on top of that, his priority is, and I don't want to give anything away, but his priority is still not Leia in terms of training her, even though she's the one that showed Jedi potential first. You know, that's that's another part too. Like, like how could that have really impacted the storyline uh, if he realized that she did use a Force and realized that she's got the Jedi potential and she showed potential before Luke did? How, how did that go? Does he then at that point make a secret base in Alderaan and try to secretly train her. And then we don't even like the way like the new hope is set up from the original series. Does that sort of change? Or maybe do we go into it and maybe he did do both and maybe he did train Leia a little bit. I, it's just so, so many things could happen. So I guess I could ask because you know, at this point, you know, with a timeline set up, who knows if he went back to Alderaan a couple times and, you know, kept an eye on Leia as, as it led up to where the sequence are in a new hope. Cause this series here, Obi-Wan Kenobi series, is 10 years after Order 66, right? 10 years after Order 66, and then the original trilogy is set years after that because we see the, the aging between Obi-Wan, where he is in this series, versus the old Obi-Wan that we know from the 70s films, right? The 70s films. So there's a, still a big gap of time of who knows what Obi-Wan was doing, and if they make another series and have it come into play, you know, does, does the really realize what she did or does he forget about it and then just go and you know take and look after luke like where does that go like what are your thoughts on that yeah this is a really this is actually one of my favorite debates we've ever had because i'm going to bring another perspective into this too and this is going to really make you think like wow this could go so many different ways because if it is true that he is so far removed he can't hear that we were talking about 
at the you know uh, you know earlier on so not this necessary episode the episode from last week remember he was reaching out to qui-gon hasn't heard from qui-gon jinn maybe qui-gon jinn has been trying to reach out to him all this time but he's so far removed from the force he can't hear anything maybe that's the case maybe for instance leia did really use the force here and reach out to him and he just can't hear it because he's been so far removed because he's been cutting meat all these damn years well, keep in mind he did hear it because he wouldn't have known that well, Leia was in trouble it, yeah so like he just might but be not recognized exactly not recognized that's a good way to put it not recognize what that what what he heard and didn't realize that was from the force versus like someone's audible scream you know yeah so that's a very interesting question um rephrase the second part of that question one more time i just want to make sure i answer it right yeah just kind of how that changes the events going forward does you know is there going to be another sort of mini series in between times where obi-wan remember realizes shit leia did show force potential and he also does some sort of like he goes alderaan sets up a little secret cave like he did in dagobah and sometimes maybe looks after her and tries to guide training towards her. Maybe he doesn't do it personally, but maybe he talks to Bail Organa and, and, you know, maybe tries to find someone else that can assist her. But, you know, who knows at that point in time, because we go back by like the new hope and the original trilogies, it doesn't seem that that's the direction it might've went, but it simply, it still could have. So just, and my question was, does he just forget that Leia did that? And does he just go about his whole uh, duty to Luke and, wait till luke shows jedi potential because then what if he what if he did like like the second part of it like what what if he did recognize that leia did this does he go and give her certain specific trainings before luke shows it because at this point in time leia has shown more force potential than luke has to be fair leia has been around more powerful people put herself in more dangerous situations luke's been kind of safe alone on the farm you know so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it, it kind of it, it's interesting of how many different avenues that this could go you know does does obi-wan just stick by his original you know plan to train luke when luke shows up he doesn't give a shit about leia because leia's a girl and doesn't think that she needs to know how to be trained or does he ever remember does he just forget that that happened does he never know what happened and he just thinks it was an audible scream like, and again, this is all, of course, assuming that it, she did reach out using the force, but I could be totally wrong. Maybe she didn't. And like, we're having this stupid debate for no reason, but I, I do believe that she did. And, you know, so that, I guess that's the second part of that. I'm inclined to agree with you. And what's, so here's an interesting thought. Um, imagine how many avenues that could have really opened up. So let's think about where Obi-Wan is in the original trilogy, how he's an older man. He really hasn't you know, it doesn't appear he's done a whole lot of training for a while until he goes back and trains Luke, right? Maybe, you know, this could have the potential where Leia was actually showing signs and he decided to start training her, but maybe he realized, you know, I don't like where this is taking things because you're not safe. Like, I keep doing this and this isn't putting you in a safe spot. So he leaves and then comes back to like Luke. So it opens up a whole lot of avenues. I mean, honestly, it really opens up for if this show could do all kinds of seasons in between, which who knows if that's going to happen or not. <laughs> but um, it's uh, it's a very interesting thought and debate. But to answer your question directly, 
I think I man see my head wants to say that's my head wants to say don't answer it this way because we know some people aren't for like extending the show but my heart I'll say what I would like to say is yes it opens up all kinds of avenues where maybe he does go ahead and train Leia because she's actually the more force sensitive one wouldn't that put a damn spin on things like maybe like even thinking about look at Kylo Ren right remember it, you know his original name's Ben but remember what they were saying like it didn't exactly work out with him maybe the same kind of thing happened with Leia and that's why he decided to train Luke later on and go back with the original plan years and years down the road later after spending all this time with her and thinking you know she's the one that could bring balance to the force and fix the wrong all the wrong your father has done and I do see your mother in you and your mother was the one that could have brought your father down to a peaceful level probably the only one that had potential to do that and but maybe you know it just doesn't go that way and I I think you know this is the problem right now is because unfortunately this all falls on obi-wan because obi-wan is the one it, it, it's hard because this is a true thing with people they go through like a, a a very um hit home crisis people do have depression and kind of ptsd and these major issues in life where they get like that they kind of go off on their own route but in the end unfortunately this kind of does fall on obi-wan because he can never come to terms with the hauntings of his past yeah and it sucks that it's all put on obi-wan because obi-wan was one of the younger i would say if we go back to the prequels he was one of the younger jedi masters in the council you know, so the fact that he's got all this pressure put onto him, like, where the fuck's Yoda at, man? Yoda's supposed to be like this this guru who's got all the answers to everything. And <laughs> Ran Yoda... off to Dagobah, just like you said, man. He's over there hiding too. I think. Well, you I know think, me, I it, love Yoda, but yeah, it's just like, I just don't know what the fuck. Like, it'd be nice if Yoda made some sort of appearance in this series, and if they make another one, like, it'd be cool if he showed up. But he told Obi Wan, you know, go. I've got some training for you. You're gonna learn how to speak to your master again. But he's got, he put all the responsibility of the future of this universe on Obi-Wan's shoulders, who is a broken ass man at this point in time because he failed his closest thing to family he's ever had and turned to the dark side and he thinks he had to kill him. And then he finds out he's like, all these bombshells are dropped on him. He, he's like, shit, Anakin's actually still alive. Damn it, I gotta figure out how I can protect. Anakin's daughter and still there's Anakin's son that people are going to come after we got to make sure that their identity stays safe then when they show potential we got to make sure they're trained like, everything's on Obi-Wan's shoulders and that sucks like I, I, I know that the the Empire took out most of the Jedi especially the original council but man that's that's it's tough for, for Obi-Wan there but you know I, I think that was I think that was a good good solid debate about what what potential avenues could be taken from here if that was the case with Leia and yeah, I, I do. I do feel for Obi Wan. The whole reason I said that is like, it's tough. You have the weight of the Star Wars world on your shoulders, and you're not getting a lot of help or assistance, and you've got to make these decisions alone. And eventually, he gets some level of guidance. I won't. Get, I won't give it up. But at the very end of this series, 
there's a there's a moment at the very 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 end of the very last episode that you know we at least understand that he's not alone so to speak and i'll say i'll just leave that at there but now my second debate i have is talking about why the fuck is the empire making it so hard to catch kenobi they could have done it like last episode i talked about it vader could have just grabbed him up with the force dragged him on the ship and had him there and now like i said they already knew that obi-wan would risk everything to save leia and reva has leia so why the hell wouldn't vader just show up to the damn inquisitor base and just wait it out and wait for obi-wan to come try to save leia again uh, i just don't get there's just no logical thought process it's like what's the hardest and most convoluted way i can get to kenobi like no, no, fuck the path of, of easy like of least resistance like we don't want to make it easy on ourselves let's go ahead and and let them escape and then catch them again and let them escape again <laughs> like it just makes no sense there's just so many different ways where they could have accomplished the simple goal of capturing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Someone please explain to me why the fuck they are going about it the hardest way possible. I have no fucking answer for that. The only answer I have for that is if uh, Vader was like, he's not worth my time anymore because he's so weak, but that's total bullshit. Because we both know, me and you both know, feel like we know Anakin like the back of our hand. We both know that's what Anakin cares about the most. not even that, and I don't mean to interrupt you here, but think about just what happened when Vader found out at the end of this episode that they escaped. He almost killed Reva because he was so mad they let Obi-Wan go. So it was. It couldn't have been. Yeah, that. it makes no sense. Exactly. So that's, that's <laughs> the just, only thing that makes sense for me is if the writers were like, "Well, we can't do that because we know Obi Wan just got his ass kicked. We don't want him to die. <laughs> like, we don't want him to get his ass kicked twice, man. Like this is his only chance." But yeah, that that makes no sense. The only catch here is is what would happen is if he was waiting in that room, you would have another duel where sorry, Obi Wan's handled his way through these guards, but if he can't even tell whether or not someone is reaching out with him in the force that's a child you think he's going to be able to take darth vader on one-on-one in a throne room which is basically what that was it was a torture chamber <laughs> throne room where you're locked in almost like yoda and palpatine obi-wan should have damn been at his peak if that would ever fucking happen and i i think that was the problem is once again you have a writer situation where you're kind of like backed into a corner after after that whole mess you had but i mean i accepted it for what it was and then you also have another issue where it's like do we do the same fucking thing that we just did last week now so i think that's the issue you had but a hundred percent it's definitely i don't want to say it's like it's not like the worst writing i've ever seen but it opens up this major ass plot hole where you're like well that this whole fucking episode was (laughs) like i don't want to say it was like a waste of time but if you're doing that then it's like well (laughs) i mean it's like you kind of cut out the whole <laughs> end of the last episode too this could have ended on the last planet we were on honestly <laughs> but i mean i i don't know man i'm not the writer so I just sit back and enjoy i guess yeah it just doesn't make sense to me it just there's so many easier avenues to accomplish their goal of of capturing kenobi and you know on top of that too like let's not even forget that it's taken them 10 years even to find him in the first place so it's just like i don't know they're doing everything they can to make sure he doesn't get caught basically like they're 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 their own worst enemy the empire is and you know the, the very simple solutions apparently are are foreign to them but 
Anyways, what are the debates that you have today? Yeah, man, I got one debate, and then what I'm going to do, because we got to keep it interesting, and we thought this was almost over. Not quite. So I'll have one debate that's related to the Star Wars world, but not exactly Obi-Wan Kenobi, so we'll throw the great debate card for that. And then I have a Malice in the Chalice card for another debate, but is a very big topic. <laughs> so I basically got three debates, but... These are the rules of the cards. <laughs> so, okay, let's make it happen. First debate, which is my topic debate for the day, which is very interesting. I think you're going to actually like this one. So we were talking about the Tombs of Amber, right? That sounds like a damn fantasy novel itself. <laughs> Star Wars and the Tombs of Amber. Fuck it. Written by Chase and Josh. <laughs> and then Chase takes it on a whole nother ending that's fucked up, so Josh has to rewrite it. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so here we go. We talked about the Jedi that were encased in those Amber. We go back to the prequels, and one of the big prequels, whether you like it or not, sorry, I kind of like it, is Attack of the Clones. Big word there is clones. And we kind of saw, I'm not a big fan of the last three we had. Not the original trilogy, the last three, but we saw kind of what happened with Palpatine. Yeah, the se- you're talking about you hate the sequels. The sequels suck. Yeah, the sequels. Sequels. Yeah. Which, I don't mind Rise of Skywalker, but I don't like. I, I don't no, mind. Rise I don't, of Skywalker is like the worst. I sorry, not like, Rise of Skywalker. Awakens. What was the first? Force Awakens. Uh, I don't mind Force Awakens, but those other two were straight trash. Sorry, but my point being is, uh, like we saw how Palpatine was cloned, and we know the Attack of the Clones. Do you think the Empire ever had in mind if they were this ruthless? They would have cloned those Jedi, turned them into Inquisitors, and used them for their Jedi hunting army. That is so hard. I love that question, and I think it's a great debate. This is why the card is called the Great Debate Card. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> my answer to that is you can clone externally. You can make something look like something else. But the trick and the question is, would you be able to replicate the midichlorian count in side like what's internalized in these individuals that's that's the real question because if you can't then they're they have zero jedi potential the clones would have zero jedi potential right so because the, you can make something look talk and act the same as something else but if what's inside isn't the same it's not gonna it's not gonna work so we kind of saw that with boba fett and jenga fett right they they are they are a clone of each other right that's that that was the whole that was the whole deal and the thing with that was, they ended up, he ended up getting some sort of emotional, he wasn't just a straight clone with no emotion. So there was some sort of human aspect to it. But I don't believe that you could replicate midichlorian counts in different species like, like, like what we have. Because... At that, it just would be tough. And I, I know I'm, I'm kind of stumbling over what I'm trying to say here, but it's, it's more along the lines of trying to break it down into what would make sense to people listening. It's, it, the, the people who have Jedi potential have to be found. They, most, more often times than not, they don't even know they have Jedi potential. And so then it needs to be groomed, then it needs to be trained. And so it'd be very difficult to take someone who was groomed and trained as a full Jedi you kill their body, you kill them, they're dead, but you preserve the shell of what they were 
you're just cloning the shell, right? You're not cloning what's on internalized inside of them is what I'm trying to say. And so because of that, I don't think that they would be able to do that. Now, if I want to play devil's advocate and say, let's say they can go ahead and clone and really emulate what midichlorian counts and the abilities that go along with those midichlorian counts, and they all of a sudden had a dark Jedi army, that'd be a fucking problem. <laughs> that would, that, <laughs> yeah, that, like, that absolutely fucked. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be a big problem. So that's just kind of my take on it. What, what do you think about that? I'm curious to get your side. And I want to know this too before I give my side. Like, do you think that was ever like an intent of the, like what was their intent to use those bodies in Case in the Amber? Wow, that's yeah. No, I don't know. And the only thing I could think of, which would kind of throw my my side of the debate almost out the window, is that they are trying to extract metachlorians from these beings and maybe put them into others. So I don't think necessarily that the thought of cloning them was their first prerogative. I think maybe they were trying to extract the metachlorians from their body and maybe inject them into another person and see if they could get those abilities and train other bad guys that way. That's what I think might, because I don't want to talk too much into this either, but we saw in Mandalorian and and those tanks there, all the failed attempts at creating Snoke. You know what I mean? So like, there's right. that, there's that avenue as well too. So they, but the thing is, they needed Grogu's um, blood, and they needed him alive. You know, that's why they couldn't kill Grogu. They needed him to extract the stuff. So these dead bodies that are in these tombs, unless they're not really dead, and they're just in like uh, similar to what they put uh, the carbonite, like carbonite, yeah, similar yeah. to like on Solo, except not carbonite, just amber. Maybe they're not dead, then that that changes the whole game. But if they are dead and that's the, they're just preserving their body to try and extract the metachlorian thing, I think that they're going to fail there. So I know that's a really good that's a good thought provoke there as well because that that can kind of take in two different avenues as well. Where they're going to go from there? Like, do they realize maybe this is the first time they tried it and they realize it's failed and that's where they realize they need alive or living beings that have metachlorians in them to extract that maybe they find that out along the way so i think that's a, that is a really good point because i can go that that can go in that direction so yeah those are my thoughts on it i agree with you i think here's what i think i think it was an attempt at something i don't okay. know what it was but it was clearly an attempt at something otherwise you wouldn't just keep someone's body or these could have been like carbonite like you're keeping these jedi to study them and study like the metachlorian count or what they're made of so you can build your army but i will say like holy shit if they were able to do that everyone's fucked like this entire world is fucked at that point like you've already hunted down almost all the jedi anyways you basically have one legendary jedi left Okay, hold on a sec. Yoda's still around here, sir. He's Yoda's over there still... in exile. He's over there hiding his ass. When's the next time you really see Yoda? <laughs> like, when's the next time? Yeah, this dude has to grow up and basically save the fucking world. <laughs> That's exactly the next time you see. The next time you see Yoda is the same time we see the AT forty seven again. <laughs> basically, is the next time we see Yoda. Yeah, he's missed the whole chunk of time and i'm a yoda guy but i'm yoda just simply saying there's more than one legendary jedi out there 
But I'm just saying, yeah, you'd be fucked. But this kind of leads me into my last two debates here. One's with the Malice card. Uh, This one is actually a true great debate. Do you, because we haven't seen Yoda for a long time. Do you think it would have been badass if they made a series or a movie or something on Yoda like going through the trials like in the old republic or when he was trained on dagobah do you think anything like that would be cool to watch that could be cool to watch it's not what i want to see immediately like that could be something down the road they can throw that in whenever what i i want to see and i think would be really cool right now is now that we got like a side obi-wan kenobi series i would love to get a side yoda series and almost kind of similar Tell me if you're on the same track with me here, because I just kind of am coming up this in my head as you asking that question. I would actually love to see Yoda somewhat pulling a Dumbledore from Harry Potter, and we get to see almost the way yeah, Dumbledore was trying it. to find those Horcruxes and play chess with Voldemort. Yoda trying to figure out ways to stop Palpatine, Palpatine. and just like going through these different areas and, and finding out secret knowledge and, and figuring out how he can use it to undermine the Empire and playing chess that way i think that would be awesome getting a, a yoda series and you know show what he's doing in exile and how he's helping the republic and how he's helping undermine the empire on his own way that's what i would like to see from yoda like i don't really give a shit about how his training went and how he became <laughs> who he is like we already see he's a badass so we must know at some point he got really really talented of whatever he was doing sure i'd like to see it on screen at some point that'd be all right but it's not what i want to see immediately that, I, that can come whenever what I want to see next is I want to see what Yoda's been doing during this 10-year stretch of, you know, where the Obi-Wan series picks up. And maybe the next, maybe not even 10 years, maybe we go 20 years from Order 66 and pick up Yoda here and figure out what he's doing to, to play chess and try to take down the Empire. Very similar, like I said, Dumbledore figuring out Voldemort's secret about the Horcruxes and finding them and destroying them and, and keeping it close and tight to the chest before he knows he can trust someone else with certain knowledge. And I, I don't know. I think that'd be fucking cool, man. I really do. Oh, I think it'd be fucking awesome, man. That would be badass because that had me thinking. Like, and imagine like you do like a you know whatever four or five season show or whatever, and then at the very end, like it leads up to where like you've missed all this time, like not hearing about Luke as a kid or any of this stuff, and then the show ends with like Luke arrives on Dagobah. Like, imagine how badass that would be. Like, that would be fucking awesome, man. Like, you're getting all the stuff on the side. So it's like the same timeline is basically like at the, you know, in between kind of how we're having now through like the first movie. And then it kind of like ends with that. Like, that would be sick. Uh, That's badass. Okay, last one. This is my Malice in the Chalice card. I was going to save it for some time from now, but it's kind of a big... Uh, topic this week because a rumor broke out um, we'll keep you know the special show that we're going to be covering in a few weeks but Elizabeth Olsen since we just talked about Doctor Strange not too long ago she has expressed interest in the world of Westeros and the Thrones universe is trying to get her so two questions here do you think she would be good in Westeros what kind of character do you think she would play do you think now that Thrones have, has gotten so big, now they're trying to do the Jon Snow series and stuff, do you think now they're trying to pull some Marvel thing where they're trying to get all these big actors where we know Thrones before, Game of Thrones, has always been great about making uh, known actors out of nobodies. Do you think they're trying to cash in now, or do you think she'd be great in that world and how? So I definitely think that they're trying to cash in now. 
I think there is an article stating that George R. R. Martin wants to build a Game of Thrones Westeros universe that rivals Marvel. That's what he is stated in an article, or at least one that I read. I can't verify the validity of it. If he's actually said that, I didn't take a look into it too deeply. But that rumor has come across, and I have seen it, that he intends to build a universe to rival Marvel for that his his fantasy world. Now, the question about Elizabeth Olsen, I think she'd be fantastic in Westeros. Now, what role she plays is tough, because I know Chase was talking to me a little about this earlier, and he mentioned, well, maybe she'll play a younger Melisandre. There was a rumor saying that she could play a younger Melisandre. And I was telling him, just age-wise, that doesn't make too much sense to me. Because I know that we see Melisandre in the Game of Thrones universe... Remember, that's 172 years after the events that we're seeing here in House of Dragon. So you really got to convince me that Melisandre is approaching over 200 years old. Because at 172, and she's clearly in her 30s or later in Game of Thrones, so like you're, you're going to have to convince me that Melisandre is over 200 years old, and that's going to be a tough sell to me. Now, what I could be, what I could buy into is maybe she's the very first priestess who pushes the Lord of Light onto others. Maybe she's a red priestess. I don't think she could. She should be a younger Melisandre, so to speak, but I would like to see her as maybe the initial first red priestess. And we already know she does an amazing job as Scarlet Witch with her ability to conjure magic and things yeah. of that nature. So it seems like a seamless transition to becoming a red priestess in the Westeros universe. I think that's a, a shoe-in, a, a dead fit. I think that would be phenomenal if they, they go ahead and move in that direction. We'll just see what happens. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Um, and imagine how, like, I mean, we know the Game of Thrones universe now. I mean, you know how hyped up fans get just to watch those episodes. Imagine how hyped they would be knowing that this was like the premiere episode that Elizabeth Olsen is in. Like, they would be hyped for that. Uh, I think it'd be good. It's um, fun, interesting fact, which is interesting. I found this out this week, too, when they were talking about it. She auditioned against Amelia Clark for Daenerys and lost out. And rightfully so, because ain't nobody stepping on my girl. She can go take her ass over to the MCU. <laughs> I was happy to get her, but she did excellent there. But yeah, I think I think that would be a smooth transition. I really couldn't see her. I don't want to say like typecasting or anything based on her by the Scarlet Witch. It's just hard for me to really place... Um, something there. Do you add something you say you wanted? You had a yeah, just because you said simply that she lost out on the role to Amelia Clark. It's not actually necessarily true. Amelia Clark was the secondary option for Daenerys Targaryen. Oh, there you da- go. Yeah. Da- Daenerys Targaryen <laughs> was actually originally supposed to be played by Tamsin Merchant. That was the original woman yeah. who was supposed to be cast as Daenerys. And so. Like let's not let's not like, let's make sure that we're calling apples apples <laughs> here, man. Like Fair the, enough, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. That's all but. I wanted to say on that end. All I'm saying is we know who the true queen is. But, yeah, but and what's funny is remember who was even big before Elizabeth Olsen, her two sisters, Mary-Kate and Ashley. You never hear about them anymore <laughs> doing their fashion thing. But, no, Elizabeth Olsen, I think she would be great in that universe. It's just hard for me to even picture as someone like Marjorie Tyrell or something. Like, she would have to do something that I feel like would be almost supernatural or play. If you're going to go cash in on someone that's become that big now, like back then that was a different story because she didn't have the name she has. But you're talking about someone that does Avengers movies and she's known as Scarlet Witch and she does these other projects. 
I feel like that's, you know, you're almost like bringing in, going the other perspective. You know, you're bringing in the guy that plays Rob Stark <laughs> over here into the MCU. You're not going to give her some small rules. So I think that would be, that would be awesome. So just a interesting thought on that. Other side note right before we go is I found out. So this brings us full circle into what we're doing today with this limited series, at least right now it's a limited series. The series Snow, apparently it broke news. Yes, it is in development, just like we talked about here, but it's not going to be a season show. It's a limited series called Snow, which would be kind of like this Obi-Wan thing if it stays that. Um, I just feel like it's too early. Like I, I'm all for it if they want to do a limited series because you want to kind of correct some of your wrongs and like I said the nostalgia. But you said where's the nostalgia? <laughs> it's two years and one of them was the pandemic. But we kind of hinted at that, you know, back in season one when Tyri was like maybe ten years later. But it hasn't even been ten years. Do you feel like it's too early for this? Yeah, I do. And on top of that, there's just way more things I would love to see before coming back to these characters in the original Game of Thrones series. I said this a trillion times and I'll say it again. I really want to see a well done rendition of the events throughout Robert's rebellion from when the rebellion starts to the lead up where Game of Thrones begins. I think that would be great. I already know that they already started making, uh, well, I didn't say they started making, I'm sorry. There are plans in, in process to create another series 800 years before what's happening now in House of Dragon with the founding of Dorne. And if you guys remember, Dorne is the only civilization to hold their own against the dragons. And so that is kind of cool. I'd rather see something like that. I'd rather see new faces build relationships with new characters versus coming back to Game of Thrones characters already. I, I, yeah. I don't think that it's been enough time in between. You haven't given us, time, us enough time to miss them and want to know what they've been up to. I think what the the fine the season the series finale of Game of Thrones was May of 2019, June of 2019. So this is 3 years later and like Chase mentioned one was a pandemic. So what are we really missing? I do think it's too early to jump into this snow deal, but hey man, I don't get paid to make these decisions. Yeah. Do you think it makes it any better that it's a limited series versus a season almost like this almost verifies to me just my personal opinion that like it's almost like you feel like it was eking their mind a bit where they want to correct wrongs and capitalize on like righting their wrongs so with a limited series it fixes some things or it gives you like a glimpse of nostalgia where you're not like stuck with the rest of these characters for a long time it depends because like Jon Snow's character and the stuff that he because he technically speaking and who knows if this changes in the series or not he is sent to the wall and he's got to live out his life at the wall right and and, and it's kind of funny because that's what he wanted to do my point is my brand is king of the whole shit baby <laughs> brand is king of the whole shit that's a whole nother story <laughs> and i would say that you can try to correct some of the wrongs you made maybe with john snow's character but there was so many more things that needed to be corrected outside of what's involved with john snow so even if you correct one or two things there's still going to be a lot of plot holes and we had mentioned it in season one when we had that one episode just talking about all the plot holes that were found inside this so 
yeah, I, I maybe they can correct certain things. Maybe Jon Snow finds the, the <laughs> sword of Azor Ahai, and maybe he is that guy. I don't know. Maybe that comes back into play. But still, it's only one aspect of stuff. Like you, you, you still can't fix everything that you fucked up in a mini series following one character that had his own issues. But that there was other things that were wrong outside of just what Jon Snow's character arc happened to fall under. Yeah. Agreed 100%, man. Yeah, I'll let you close this out for the day, brother. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, guys, if this is your first time joining us, welcome. We hope you really enjoyed what you heard today. If this is, you've been, you know, the people following us from the very beginning, we appreciate you. You guys are the, the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. So for those who are joining us for the very first time, if you're looking to figure out where you can find us, we're on all forms of social media. So you can find us on Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus. You can find us on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus. You can find us on our backup Instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. Backup TikTok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy. We have our the Facebook fan page, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy. We're on YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus. We have our own website as well, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. We also are on Twitter, RP Factor Fantasy, Snapchat, RP Factor Fantasy. So guys, please go ahead and follow us along on those areas and those avenues. Uh, leave us any sort of comments. Leave us reviews. Leave us star ratings. We do enjoy the audience engagement. If you're wondering where you can find the podcast itself, if you're an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you're an Android user, you can find us on Google Play. You can find us on Spotify. We're also on iHeartRadio. We're on Amazon Music. We're on Audible. We're on Stitcher. We're on Acast. We're on Podbean. Wherever you get your podcasts, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. But we're out for the day because you know this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.